Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, your weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 468. This week, we're diving back into the email inbox and answering just questions that you've sent in. Here we go. From time to time, it makes a lot of sense for me to catch up on the emails that you've sent me here to be answered on the podcast. Usually, we do a feature segment, and then we do the emails at the end. But you know what? Sometimes the, the email inbox is a little full. And out of respect for what you're trying to do, get an answer in a normal amount of time. And as a thank you for listening, I want to make sure that we keep up with that. So this week's episode is all about listener emails and answering the emails that you've sent me. If you want to send me your emails to be read, hopefully in a very timely manner, you can send them to Matt at RoyalCreamBlog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T at RoyalCreamBlog.com. Our first email this week is from Michael Boston and Ashley Boston. Hi, Matt. Uh, podcast and YouTube follower from Northern Ireland. My wife and I watch your YouTube religiously for the first cruise honeymoon, first anniversary back in March 2022 on Symphony of the Seas. Darn COVID had to smash everything in one go. We're headed back to Symphony of the Seas in February for two weeks cruise for back-to-back seven-night cruise to the Caribbean. And I noticed in the app, our room is different from each week. What is the protocol? Can we request the same room or do we have to change? P.S. Loving the podcast. Uh, that's a good question. So the answer is, I mean, I, I'm not sure why this is a surprise to you, honestly. I, I question how you booked it. It's kind of interesting because when you book a cruise, the fact you book it back-to-back is irrelevant. Um, re- what I mean by that is Royal Caribbean doesn't care per se that it's a back They don't look at it like, oh, Michael and Ashley aren't a back-to-back. They just see that you booked one cruise and you booked two cruises, and they just happen to be sequentially one after the other. So... The answer to your question is you could get the same room, but you would have to alter the reservation on one of them to match it. It's not like a hotel in which you can call the hotel front desk, be like, hey, we're staying here on these dates. You know, I want to extend the stay. Can you please keep the same room? It doesn't work quite that way. As I mentioned, the fact you're doing a back-to-back is great, but there isn't a back-to-back cruise um, differentiation between uh, consecutive cruises and just two cruises, you know, individual cruises rather. And that's essentially what you're looking at here. So what you want to do, this is kind of why I kind of question how you booked in the first place. Talk to your travel agent, whomever you booked the cruise with and say, Hey, is there any, are these rooms available still? Um, the good news is if now you're in the UK and the rules in the UK are just wonky. I, I feel bad for you guys in the UK because some of the rules related to booking are completely different than we here in the US or in Canada or even in Australia have in terms of repricing and rebooking and final payment. So I preface all this by saying that this could be different for you guys here in North America. You know, if you're just changing rooms, let's assume for a second, the easiest scenario that will play out is you have two of the same cabin types booked for for your cruise. Um, so it's like, you know, you're both in category, whatever, you know, two E or whatever. And the, the room number that you want to move to is the same is available. So the cabin's available to move back into on cruise number two that you had in cruise number one. And all I have to do is change the cabin assignment. There's no change in who's cruising. There's no change in the room category because you have the same room category for both sailings. In that scenario, barring any weird UK rules, you should be able to have the room number change. It's never really an issue. This is true, by the way. If, if you ever book a guarantee stereo, this is something with Michael Nash for a second, but if you're booking a guarantee room and they assign you whatever room number and you see there are available rooms in the same category elsewhere, you can have that room number assignment changed if the call in for their travel agent for you. So that's like the easiest scenario, Michael and Ashley. However, if the room isn't available, 
you know, uh, obviously, and there's not a combination between the two cruises you could move around and get the same room. It's not the end of the world. I've done back-to-back -back cruises in which I've sailed in one cabin on sailing number one, and then moved to sailing number two on cruise number two. Uh, your stateroom attendant can coordinate with you on cruise number one, getting your stuff over there. It's not a big deal. The bigger issue is really in that interim time on the morning of cruise number two, in which you will not have access to your cabin. Like if you had the same room for both sailings, you can go back to your room, even though the cabins aren't technically ready. You're allowed to go back to your room as a consecutive cruiser and hang out there and take a nap and do whatever. But if you're changing cabins, that's not the case. And you'll be like other guests. You have to wait for the cabins to be open. Not a uh -huh. giant deal, but you're talking about a couple of hours in which you're going to be relegated to somewhere else on the ship. You know, bring something to read and music and go sit by the pool or something, you know, uh, have a lunch somewhere. But the bottom line is uh, you might be able to switch room assignments. You got to talk to whomever booked the cruise for you so you can get that sorted out. Next email is from Chris from Idaho. Bowtie Brigade on the Real from Blog message boards. Matthew. We have a suite booked on a sailing that we're taking with our extended family. However, we're the only ones who booked the suite. What can we do to enjoy all the suite perks while not abandoning our travel companions? Uh -huh. It's an interesting question because Chris is right on this in that uh, he's uh, he didn't mention this, but I'll mention it for everybody listening to this. That the suite benefits are only for those who stay in a suite. So if you book a suite and your family and friends are staying in a non-suite, they don't get the benefits. You can't bring them to the suite areas of the ship or you know uh, enjoy the same benefits that you do. I would say when it comes to what perks you can enjoy while not abandoning them, I would simply say, you know, just obviously number one, don't limit yourself to simply the suite lounge and or the suite sun deck on your cruise ship. You know, I, there, there's going to be opportunities for you to enjoy your benefits. And I certainly think that, you know, Chris, if you had the, uh, if you didn't have a drink package and you wanted to uh, enjoy the suite lounge, you know, drinks in the evening, that'd be one time in which you might take an absence from there. By the same token, you can flip that around and say, well, instead of doing that, get a drink package. That way you're not limiting yourself to the suite lounge for drinks. That might be a way to kind of still stay with other people that are you know, on the cruise with you. I mean, I this is kind of an interesting question because I am not the world. I've stayed in many suites, but I'm not the world's biggest. Like I'm going to go stay only in the suite areas. Like I don't limit myself like that. When I book a suite, I primarily book a suite for a couple of reasons. One, well, the room, obviously, the cabin's nicer, more opulent, all that. That goes without saying. And, that, and that's, I think, everybody is on board with that. But I really don't spend much time in the suite lounge. I'm not really a suite lounge kind of guy. And neither am I, by the way. I'm not really a diamond lounge kind of guy. Like, I don't, I'll go there, don't get me wrong. But more often than not, we don't spend a ton of time up there. I'd rather go to other venues, other bars, other lounges on board the ship for primarily entertainment. Um, you know, it also depends who I'm sailing with. But in this situation, I would just not spend that much time up there. And there might be some people who are diehard sweet people who might see this more of as an issue than I would. But I guess my main answer to you, you know, take advantage of the benefits of, you know, priority embarkation, disembarkation. Just tell your family, hey, we'll see you on board the ship. Not to worry. I mean, really, you're not, it's not like you'll be on the ship for like three hours before they will. I mean, you know, it'll be, it's, it's, it's a lot more manageable than that. So, you know, I, I think more, more often than not, your benefits will not really interfere with that. I mean, let's face it, no matter what cabin you're staying in on any cruise, you know, no, you're not really joined at the hip with anybody else on a cruise ship, right? That's the beauty of going on a cruise. Like if you're cruising with kids or you're cruising with your parents, you're cruising with uh, other members of your family, like you're not always doing the same thing all the time. So it's almost natural to have some times in which you're, you know, alone in there. So I, I don't know that abandoning your travel companions is going to be necessarily the key, unless literally you sit in the suite lounge all the time. 
Um, but other than that, I say just, you know, take advantage of the benefits that you prioritize that are really important to you. Otherwise, spend time elsewhere. And, and I think that really boils down to how much time you'll spend in the suite lounge or not, especially in the evening. So um, if that's really a concern and you're a drinker, then I would say get a drink package and that way you won't be tied to the suite lounge nearly as much. Um, but, you know, other than that, I think, you'll have a, I think you'll have a great time. I don't think you'll find it quite as limiting, perhaps, as you might think. So thank you for the email, Chris. Next email is from Ryan. My family recently booked our first cruise on Wonder of the Sea. Since we booked this cruise, we have found your channel love the content. My wife and I are experienced cruisers having, before having kids, that is, selling mostly on Carnival. Booking a Royal Caribbean cruise kind of reminds me of planning a Disney vacation. I have a few questions. Number one, we're a Disney family and love the ease of using a magic band. Is there any chance that Wonder of the Seas has the wow bands in operation in July 2023? Or does Royal Caribbean have a rollout schedule for when ships will be getting it? Actually, the opposite, right? Um, their Royal Caribbean is essentially, for all intents and purposes, retired the wow bands. Wow bands were RFID bracelets that you could use um, in lieu of, um, or in conjunction with, I should say, the, your CPAS card. But since the pandemic, since cruises restarted in 2021, Ryan, they've really not brought it back. Now, could they bring it back by July 23? Sure, anything's possible. But as of right now, I've not seen or heard anything to that effect. Um, and, and I got to think that because there's been this much time that's gone on since the restart, Ryan, I have a hard time believing it will be in effect. It'll be available when you go on board. So I would not plan on it being there. Number two, do we have a video? Do you have a video on everything we need to know about Adventure Ocean? I don't have a YouTube video. I don't think I've done one on Adventure Ocean specifically, but we have a number of blog posts, Ryan, about Adventure Ocean, um, what you need to know. Um, I would say this, go to, uh, you know, if you Google Royal Caribbean blog, uh, taking young children on board, you'll have a good idea about Adventure Ocean, how that works. I've done a number of articles about that. And that's probably your best bet um, in terms of the content that I've created all about Adventure Ocean. So I would say that we've also done some episodes, Ryan, some podcast episodes here. Now, these go back a, a number of years ago, but honestly, the information is still accurate. I mean, there's been very little change in Adventure Ocean. So the program is still pretty much the same. So that's good news there. So uh, check out the, actually some older episodes of the podcast. And lastly, have you handled, how have you handled excursions with toddlers? We have a four and six year old, not sure how excursions would work with them as a most, I'm sure most transportation won't have child seats. Yeah, so this is a an issue that come that came up a lot when our kids were younger. Basically, you're right. When you're in the Caribbean, uh, and basically anywhere out of you know the United States or Canada, uh, uh, child seats in a car, taxis, buses don't exist. I mean, they just they, they don't. And we just made our peace with it. And I always tell my wife, listen, when we were kids, our parents held us in our, their laps, and we survived. And you know, um, you've just got to do your best with it. We would either uh, we would either buckle them in with a regular seatbelt. Of course, you know, seatbelt is still better than nothing at all. It's not, you know, obviously a child seat. There are certain benefits. I'm not here to tell you that child seats aren't important, you know, and that's why we use them. But I, I'm okay with taking alternate precautions as a means of which to not compromise on the cruise experience. And you're going to places like Cozumel and you're going to, you know, you, or anywhere in the Caribbean. I mean, there's such cool things to do with, with kids that I'm just not going to let a car seat be the reason why we can't enjoy that. And so, you know, we'll, we'll be reasonable with our expectations. And I've had, you know, there, there's there's risk. There's risk in everything, by the way, even if you have a car seat. So I'm just not going to limit myself in that way. And uh, so, yeah, we oftentimes will travel without a car seat. One thing that came about once my youngest kid was a little older, and so this might be available to you, is there is a um, there are inflatable car seats you can purchase on Amazon, and uh, as well as some foldable ones, car seats that is, and those are much easier to bring. When my first daughter was born, these didn't exist, so 
it was either lug around a giant car seat or none at all. And I feel like there's more options there. So that would be something else to look into. I think it's required. Your kids are four and six. That should be totally fine. Um, there are the foldable car seats and there's also inflatable ones. I would look at those as well because those are really easy to pack. They don't weigh a lot and they're better than nothing. So that might be a good alternative as well. I, I kind of started this whole thing off by putting it say, put them on your lap. And then I kind of was like, oh yeah, there's other options as well. So <laughs> hopefully Ryan, between all those, that works out for you. Next email is coming to us from uh, Daisy Roman. Hi, Matt. Enjoy uh, your informative details on all the blogs and videos. I did have a question regarding dietary needs on the ship and what's allowed to be brought on board in your carry-on. I've already had a royal representative put a notation on my reservation for low sodium and sugar-free items. However, is there any rule on bringing additional items on board if you need it, prepared items and snacks? Yeah, Daisy, thanks for the email. And the answer is you can bring on board any pre-packaged item food-wise. They don't care at all. So yeah. If you have pre-packaged snacks, foods, whatever you want to bring on, that's totally fine. You know the rules, obviously, about drinks. But as it relates to food, you are allowed to bring food on board. There is no limitation on the food. You just can't bring, like, you know, mom's leftover lasagna in, in a saran wrap, as an example. But if you want to bring, like, we always bring for our kids, like, you know, goldfish and snack and Pringles chips to have in the room just for, like, snacks and, like, get back from an excursion or something like that. Totally fine. So if you have low-sodium or sugar-free pre-packaged items, you can absolutely bring those on board. Put it in, you can put it in your your carry-on or your or, or your checked luggage. I still put it in your carry-on because you know things get tossed around. I wouldn't want all your stuff to get smushed. So, um, but yeah, you're you're good there. It's actually really really easy. Our next email is from Doug from Virginia, which is returned from a great five night cruise on Mariner of the season. I have a quick tip, comment, and a question. Tip: Maybe most of your listeners know this, but I didn't. We wanted to use our dining package at Azumi Sushi and knew we had a thirty-five dollar allowance per person. What we didn't know was that the sushi bar only had six seats and those seats can fill up within minutes of opening. We almost lost some of the value of our dining package because we showed up 15 minutes after opening one night. Fortunately, we were able to go back on the last night when I showed up 15 minutes before opening. Sushi was well worth the extra time. Comments. Someone wrote in the podcast a few episodes ago saying that they were not allowed to switch rooms on their C-Pass cards, but instead were given extra keys to their cabin to use however they liked. Same thing happened to us. We had three staterooms and needed to switch around so that my wife and I could stay in the same room. The crew member at guest services firmly told us that the policy required someone aged 21 or over in each of the rooms and that all he could do was give us an extra key. So we all carried around two keys around the entire cruise. Perhaps they're enforcing this policy more strictly now. Lastly, my question. Isn't there a better way for Royal Caribbean to evaluate the performance of the servers in the dining room that doesn't rely so heavily on the post-cruise survey? Our servers reminded us multiple times about the survey and how important it was and which questions in the survey pertained to them. It took them away from the dining experience and was kind of awkward. Clearly, the servers know that their ratings on the survey are critically important to their valuation. I just think there must be a way for Royal Caribbean to get the information they need about servers' performance without multiple five-minute spiels about the survey while guests are trying to enjoy their dinner thoughts. Thanks so much for the podcast. Doug, uh, this is really interesting stuff. I'm going to go through your uh, tip, comment, and question in that order. Uh, the tip about the sushi bar, is you're right about this. So depending on the ship, I don't want to scare people away from other ships. This is Mariner this season. On Mariner, there is an Azumi location, but it's primarily hibachi and there's one sushi bar. And other ships, like if you were on you know, Wonder of the Seas or Oasis, there is a large sushi seating section as well as the hibachi section. So depending on the ship, yes. But, um, but all that being said, even on Mariner, I'm just surprised that you had that much trouble getting into the sushi bar. I, found like, I feel like nine out of 10 times sushi bar is completely empty. Because it's such an unknown factor. When people on Mariner think of Azumi, they think of Hibachi. And so I'm just genuinely surprised. Um, I, you didn't mention how many people were with you. So I don't know if you were talking about like, you know, five or two people. But at any rate, um, interesting. But yeah, you're absolutely right on that. In terms of the crew members and switching rooms, this will be interesting. Um, I 
I, I swear we've done this before, and they've just been like, yeah, no problem. Here, here's the new, and they re-keyed re the the cards and and done that for our kids. And our kids are definitely not 21 by any means. Um, this unfortunately may fall into the uh, Royal Caribbean is consistently inconsistent department. And, uh, you know, depending on who you talk to, I guess, services, maybe they do a different thing. I, I don't know, but it's interesting. And nonetheless, thank you for sharing it. Now, I want to talk about your your question here about the evaluation and the survey. And I have come to find that I agree with, I, I might have answered this question differently about a year or two ago. I do agree with you in that the post the post cruise survey, so if you don't know, let, let's back up for a second. When, you, when your cruise is over, you'll get an email from Royal Caribbean that will ask you for your thoughts on the cruise. Now, ordinarily, if you're like in like me, you know, 99% of the time when you get post anything surveys, you just immediately delete them, right? You know, please hang on the line after this call with your representative to rate the call and your experience. Like, I don't know about you, I hung up before even the first word is uttered. Like, I, I couldn't be bothered to do anything over there, right? And the same as you get it, you rent a car, you stay in a hotel, you get the post cruise, the post stay survey, and I usually delete those emails. But with Royal Caribbean, maybe this is because I obviously cover them so much, I know how important the post-cruise survey is because it's literally rating and evaluating the crew members on board. And it's one of the best tools, most important tools, I should say, not best, most important tools that Royal Caribbean values for actually getting, you know, feedback on what the experience is like. And it's, uh, for the crew members, it very much seems like it's feast or famine for them in terms of, you know, it, 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 it's often been portrayed that if they don't get perfect scores, it's a problem, which I, this is going to lead me into the bigger issue here at all. And I kind of agree with Doug on this in that, yes, it's important to do the post-cruise survey and, and it's good. And actually for, forget crew members for a second. The post-cruise survey is one of the best ways to tell Royal Caribbean about policy changes you'd like to see. So when people email and say, Hey Matt, you know, how can we get smoking banned in the casino? Hey Matt, how can we get the single supplement changed? Hey Matt, how can we make sure that Royal Caribbean knows that I want cruises to go out of this port or visit this destination? Post-cruise survey is the best place for it. The last question is an open-ended box, and you can type whatever essay you'd like to in there, and they really do pay attention to that. So that's number one. Number two, I do feel that Royal, in my opinion, Royal has gone too far with the importance of the survey. Not that the survey shouldn't play a role, but that they prioritize so much getting high scores that they 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 go to the extreme of making it the source of truth when it comes to the experience on board the ship. And I say this not just anecdotally, like, well, in my experience, it seems that way. When the last couple of um, earnings calls that Royal Caribbean has had, in which they've lost like billions of dollars, you know, because of the pandemic, they would often talk about, since the restart, how good their scores are how good their ratings are on board ships um, from, from, from guests and how good the experience is and how much guests value this. And, you know, data is wonderful. I'm not here to, I'm not here to that tell you the data isn't good. I, I think the survey should always exist, but I think they place too much emphasis on the scores and ignore the middle part, the realities, the, you know, it looks good on paper. It's, it's kind of like putting together a baseball team or any sports team for that matter. Right. You can look at stats all day of the week, but you know, at the end, this is like you know, on paper, this team looks to be the best team on in on the uh, in the league, right? What ends up happening with the best team on paper? They rarely ever win the championship. It's always the scrappy team. It's always the team that has good scores, you know, good stats, and but they have that X factor. They have that guy who can steal bases or the the clubhouse leader who doesn't really hit that well, and you know, is an average defender. 
but you know they they just hold everybody together. They're they're they you know they're they're a good teammate, and I would argue that there's got to be something to that along the lines of the crew's experience. And I would also argue this also leads to a lot of problems with why certain rules aren't enforced. The chair hog rule, the uh, dress codes in the dining room, um, among others. And, and the reason why you get sporadic uh, enforcement of these rules, in my opinion, is because at the end of the day, um, telling people they can't do or shouldn't do something will lead to a negative experience in their crews. And that leads to a bad survey result. That may be a generalization, but over, not I'm saying everybody does that, but you know, generally speaking, if someone tells you you can't do that, you shouldn't, if you get in trouble, if you get sent, as you get in the naughty corner, gets in the principal's office, but you know, if you get told, no, you can't do that. And you kind of get called out on it by a crew member, you're probably, it's gonna be less likely that you're going to love your like overall, like five out of five stars kind of an experience. Does that make sense? I don't know if it does. Maybe I'm over and, 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 but you know, having a good cruise and having um, a, a, a procedures in place that make the cruise best for everybody are not mutually exclusive, if that makes any kind of sense. So here's what else. I'm going to bring this back to Doug's question because I've really gone off on a tangent. I'm up, I'm high up in my soapbox right now. I would say the survey should be devalued to some extent. Now, the problem is, well, they ha the company, ha at the end of the day, company in Miami has to know what the experience is like on Explorer of the Seas, right? Or, or you know, uh, how good or bad the 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 pub singer is on, in, you know, on Brilliance of the Seas, or if the room service is really doing well on Wonder of the Seas. I, I That's a hard, I don't know how you can really evaluate that other than tr simply putting more power in your middle management, right? That the, the, the room service, whoever the, the, the officer in charge of room service has to do a better job of being accountable and reporting on, you know, Bob is doing a great job. Linda's doing a great job, but you know, Mario, not so much, or, you know, um, the, you know, the, the, the a couple of guests complained that room service service was not, you know, you have to have more of that component to it. I mean, obviously then, and anybody here who listens to this podcast and works in middle management, you all know that. Man, not every manager is amazing and not everybody is fair with it. And there's going to be an unfair element. I would argue that there's this equally an unfair element when somebody gives one star ratings to their crews in the post cruise survey, because no cruise serves one star rating. I don't care how bad your experience was. You're not getting one star. Come on now. It's not fair. So nothing is, nothing is perfect. And I would simply say to Doug's point, I agree with you. And I think that there must be a better middle ground to that because I do feel that there are two dependent on the survey and to that point I, I don't even mind like the the spiels I mean when I hear it it's just not along I know exactly what they're going with it I understand why they're saying it and I and I commiserate with the crew member for that and so I'm willing to put up with it luckily I usually only get like one maybe two a cruise it's not like every crew member I walk into it's like hey can I get a uh, you go to the bar can I get a Kraken and Coke and then they're like well absolutely Mr. Matt and by the way did you know the post crew survey is really you know like no, I don't get that um, so, you know, I think we'll have some strong opinions on this, but it's, it's a good question, Doug. It's a good point, And I'm glad you brought it up because it's something that I've been thinking about more and more. And I think that overall, the, uh, the in general, when it comes to valuations, I always feel like there's a, there, there can't be one single source of truth. There's always going to be multiple factors at play. And I'm not, this isn't to say, by the way, I think Royal Caribbean is only relying like hundred percent on the survey, but I think they do overemphasize it. And the result is some of these 
like Doug's point, some of these Postgres servers. All right, enough about the Postgres server. I'm sorry. <laughs> we went on quite a tangent there, but it's, it's something we don't talk about all the time here. So I wanted to bring it up. Next email is from Liz. My wife and I are taking our mother-in-law who has some mobility issues and three toddlers, two, three, and four years old, on Wonder of the Seas in February, 2023. Our pores are St. Kitts, Charlotte Amalia, St. Thomas, and Perfect Day Echo Key. We're feeling comfortable with the plan of Perfect Day, but at a loss of the other two ports. So, recommendations for low-intensity activities that might still have some interest for the little ones. I know the beaches are always an option, but we'd love to see more of the islands. There is a, Liz, I've done on Royal Caribbean, especially a tour of St. Thomas. Um, there's a number of them and they go to a couple different stops. Usually they're like two or three, four stops. Um, I remember one of them includes a stop at mountaintop list. So it's like a bus tour basically, Liz, that ends up with a beach day at the end. So rather than going straight to the beach, they'll take you around the island. It's a narrated tour, usually an open air vehicle. It's very low intensity. I mean, you're literally sitting in a vehicle the entire time, getting off in a couple photo stops if you want to, and that's it. So that's an easy one to do. I think that would certainly check the boxes there. And you still end up with some time at the beach, which is good. Um, in St. Kitts, there are actually a train tour is a great one. So we've done this before and there's a, uh, I would recommend that. So there's a train tour you can take, which takes you through the country. There's one of the few Caribbean islands that actually has a functional train still. And, uh, it's like a real train, not like one of the, like, you know, it's not like Key West, like one of those like golf carts that's masquerading as a train. No, this is like a real, you know, choo-choo train. And, uh, it's cool. The kids will like it and adults will like it too. So I would recommend that. Number two, is there an option on the Kids Adventure Ocean Nursery while we're at port if you want to do activity that's a little out of their age range? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. The nursery and Adventure Ocean are both open on port days for as long as the cruise ship is in port. So you can absolutely drop them off. No cost for the Adventure Ocean Nursery. We'll have a cost for them. But yeah, you can absolutely do this. We've done this a number of times. This is a great alternative. So if you're just saying we, we'd love to go, you know, snorkeling or scuba diving or zip lining, and there's no way that the little kids can or should come, then yeah, that's a great alternative right there. So thank you for the email, Liz. Next, we have email from Rob from Milton, Ontario, Canada. My wife and I will be solo cruising on back-to-back -back weeks of each other uh, in November, and I just want to confirm that our crown anchor points are accumulated together whether or not we cruise together. They're not. So I'll stop you right there. So your status is, a, is, is pooled, Rob, but your actual points are individual. Uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> so let's say, Rob, for a second. I'm gonna make this really simple for example's sake. Let's say you cruise 90 times, you have 90 points on your own, your wife has zero points, that's not the case, but you um, you have 90 points, your wife has zero points. Your wife gets the same crown and anchor status as you, which is diamond. Um, if she were to go on a cruise without you, and let's say you're doing a four night cruise, staying by herself in a room, she'll get eight points. Her point total will be eight after the cruise. Your point, your cruise, your point total will remain at 90. Um, she enjoys your status until the point, the only, she would have to cruise enough on her own to exceed your point total for you to start benefiting from her, if that makes sense. Now, she mentions in the email here, we're currently both at 91 points. So after our solos, we will both, will we both be at 107 points and uh, they're doing a four night cruise um, or will we both be at 99? You will both be at uh, 99. Whoever has, because they both started out, I probably should read the rest of this email here. They're doing a four-night cruise, two two cruises in a row. One one Rob on one email, Rob on one cruise, Rob's wife on the other cruise solo. If that makes sense. So, the answer to your question is: at the end of the cruise, you will both after both cruises, you both have ninety-nine points. That is correct. Yes, because your point total are individual, but your status is pooled. So, hope that makes sense. Um, 
And, and again, if you say, well, that's not fair or whatever, um, it is very fair, actually. It's that you earn points for the cruises that you take, just like you do with an airline, right? This is how people say, well, if I pay for Rob's cruise, do I get his points? No. If Rob goes on the cruise, Rob gets the points. Whoever goes on the cruise gets the points. If you go on the flight, I could book everybody's flight here since this podcast. I'm not getting your, your air miles, right? You're getting them for actually flying. Same basic idea. The benefit and the reason why this is better than the airlines is your status is shared. So if we go back to the situation where Rob has 90, he had 91 points right now, 91 points and his wife has zero, Rob's wife still gets the same status as Rob, which is extremely generous because the airlines would not do that for Rob. So that doesn't make Rob feel anything better about this, but now you'll, at the end of both cruises that are individual, you'll both be at 99 points again. So sorry to be the bearer of bad news there, Rob, but I hope the explanation kind of makes more sense. Probably not going to like it. But. Next email is from Greg Walker. Matt, thank you for all the help you give us to Royal Caribbean Cruisers. I'm a regular listener and I'm thankful for the information. Our first cruise was amazing. You helped me make it happen. Our last cruise was in June, a seven-night Western Caribbean on Harmony of the Seas. We're currently booking on November for a five-nighter on Radiance out of New Orleans, going to Costa Maya and Cozumel. We're looking for an all-inclusive in Cozumel. We prefer a family-friendly, non-party atmosphere. Royal Caribbean is offering Chuck and Knob. We're looking for a good beach pool day and don't need any extras. Do you have any suggestions? My wife is concerned with not doing a Royal Caribbean early excursion due to getting back to ship on time. Honestly, thanks for the email, Rob. Honestly, getting back to Cozum in Cozumel, getting back to the ship, is there's taxis everywhere. So uh, your wife is right to be concerned. But in Cozumel, I would have no concerns at all. Just here's, here's what I would tell your wife. Plan to be back on the ship two hours before all aboard. That way, if there's traffic, you, you'll have no problem at all. So that's number one. So I wouldn't worry about that. In terms of... So it's kind of interesting. You talked about you want an all-inclusive. We prefer a family-friendly atmosphere, non-party atmosphere. Because um, I would have ordered, I would have ordinarily recommended Nachi Kokum, which is not available to Royal Caribbean, uh, to you. But then you say you want a good beach pool day, don't need any extras. But if you want family-friendly, here's what I would tell you. I would say go to Paradise Beach. Paradise Beach has an all-inclusive. Book it before the cruise, Greg. It's not through Royal Caribbean as well. Um, just Google Paradise Beach Cozumel. There is an all-inclusive option. I believe it's $55 a person. Book that. Book it before the cruise. And uh, that, I think, is they have a really nice pool. Great beach. Um, the benefit that Nachi has over Paradise Beach is they limit the uh, amount of guests that can come there. Kids are allowed in there, but there's far less to do. All there is in Nachi is a, is a smaller pool, which is nice, and a beach. And that's it. There's no, like... Um, Paradise Beach has like inflatables, things for more activities for the kids to do. And it sounds like you want a family friendly. I'm assuming you got kids involved. That's why I recommend Paradise Beach all inclusive. If it's just adults and you want a good beach pool day, all inclusive, then Notch Kogum is what I'd recommend there. Hopefully that's not too confusing. And our last email this week is from Mark A. Uh, love the podcast. How soon can you reserve a cabana at Kokuki with a cruise on Oasis for March of 2023? Uh, Mark, thanks for the email. So the answer is, well, it depends. There is no set answer. There's no timeline in which um, any excursions, be it a cabana at Kokuki or you know, a tour in Cozumel, becomes available. You got to keep checking back. I usually tell people six months in advance is a good ballpark time to check back on that because basically before six months you know, or further out than six months, you rarely see a lot of things that are in there, but six months, probably it'll be become available for you, Mark. So keep an eye on it. But out of, there is, since there is no answer, there is no set timeline in which they will become available exactly. 
use six months as a ballpark to check back. Thank you, Mark, for the email. Thank you, everybody, for checking out this episode of the Royal Command Blog Podcast. If I can answer your emails, you can always send them to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again real soon.